it was getting parents ready to go home. And they're like, wait, wait, we're not ready to go home. You can't send us home. We, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, no, we talked about it. And they're like, we don't remember anything you said. Can you, can you just come home with us, please? And so I thought, well, actually. <laughs> and now. I'm the captain now. Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sit off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for listening. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 171 of the Chris and Christine Show. Fantastic. Happy weekend, baby. Yeah, I'm excited to be back here. I know we had another weekend off last weekend. It was just crazy town around here, you know, with kids getting back to school and navigating all kinds of stuff for us. And it's just been, uh, it's been funky. Don't forget the most craziest thing that happened in San Diego, in all of San Diego. Oh, that's why we didn't record. It was because Hurricane Hillary hit us. We will rebuild. We will rebuild this castle. You know castle. what? I, I, Hurricane Hillary did not, I mean, wah, wah, It wah. took off the uh, jacuzzi cover and flew it like four feet. I had to pick <laughs> it up and put it back on. Oh my gosh. I will rebuild. <laughs> Hashtag. Hurricane Hillary uh, devastation. Okay. Well, in all seriousness, we navigated around any type of serious ramifications. However, people to our east were not as lucky. Um, There definitely was some significant devastation to the low desert area, specifically the Coachella Valley, which you may know from the famous Coachella Festival, but... There was a, it was quite a big hit over in that area, so much so to where the governor, the state superintendent of public instruction have been out there. There's been some damage to the schools. Uh, but, you know, here we were expected to be right in the center of where the eye yeah. wall was going to hit. And they said it was going to come right over us, too. I know, but I told you the night before, I was like, you know, it may shift, it has hundreds of miles to go. The likelihood of it staying completely on track without adjusting at all is like pretty low. And we never got hit by a hurricane. Hurricanes are things you hear about in Florida, the Gulf of Mexico, where the waters are warmer, the land's a little, it's more humid. It's, it's prime time for hurricanes over there. But when you heard about one here hitting San Diego, you're kind of like scratching your head like, really? But everybody was talking about it. And I it mean, was a ghost town everywhere. It, it was. Everybody was home. We everybody was waiting. We took all of our belongings on the patio and kind of tucked it up close to the house. Nothing was going to fly away. We did all the preparations you possibly could do, other than the fact we did not get any like ice chest full of ice for power outages. That's the thing too. I was really waiting for the power to shut off that day. It just rained and drizzled, and there wasn't a ton of wind. I mean, I mean, I was actually outside looking at the uh, basketball hoop, which has the um, little net hanging down, and it wasn't really blowing much. The palm trees were just sitting still. It was a light breeze. It did blow up a little bit. Right. But we had all these plans of things that we were going to do, podcasting and all of that. And then once we heard about the weather, we didn't want to risk recording an episode and then have it all, you know, 
get deleted or interrupted or we're all anything. afraid the power would shut off like right in the middle of the recording and then you and then what do you do you you lost everything or whatever so that that was kind of the thing so it was really mellow like non-creative day like i didn't work on any projects or anything well we definitely did make it through and it was an eventfully uneventful weekend last weekend but now we are back we are back in business baby doll it is the K2 show coming to you live from San Diego, California. The, <laughs> They've already uh, heard that. The home of Hurricane Hillary. Can you just be a normal speaker? <laughs> you know what is so funny? And I've called you out on this before because when we're having conversations, like when you talk to me, you talk like you just shoot the breeze, whatever. And the minute the microphones got, go hot, all of a sudden you are extremely articulate and Hello, podcast listeners. This is Chris of the world famous. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Thank you very much. How about you just much. be talking normal, normal that, self? This is how I normally talk. You know that. No. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Sure. You can tell yourself that. But with that being said, what's been happening for you this week? Well, I got some fantastic, wonderful news happening to me personally for the podcastic audio industry. You see... What is that? As, as of as of this last week, I am officially the CEO of Podcastic Audio. As opposed to who being the CEO? Hey, babe, you know what it stands for? Or was there a CEO? No, there was no CEO. Maybe something like that. But yeah, so officially Podcastic Audio, my podcast and now audio production services is actually now officially a licensed business, and I am officially the CEO of that company. That's amazing. Congratulations. Where's our applause clip when we need it? Well, Insert here. Hey, hey, you got to pay extra for that. <laughs> and we, and you didn't pay the top, top, top premium this price. The, this is not the premium plan. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's definitely an exciting time for you where you've gone from this idea of starting a podcast to you know, having multiple podcasts and now editing and producing other people's podcasts and being a legally formed business entity that has a business license. You you even got it in the in the email. We need to print it out and get a little oh, frame I did, for it. I did it. print it out, but uh, are they supposed to send me one in the mail too? Or am I supposed to go off this photocopy printed version? No, it's a, you just do the printed version. You just print it out and then we can frame oh, it. Oh, I didn't notice it expires end of this year. Yeah, every year you have to renew it. But I thought it expired on the day you got it, like a license. No, it's every calendar year. So it's best to get one in January. Because you get a full year's worth or it doesn't matter. Right. I guess it doesn't matter. If you're going to file taxes, it's for whatever year you bought stuff in, whether the right. license expires. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you'll have to renew in just a few months anyways, but then that'll go for the whole year. Um, yeah. It's no big deal. I mean, it's just a small dollar amount to give you permission to function. But how does it feel? It feels incredible. I saw that. I was like, wow, holy smokes. This is great. I can physically start writing off everything on my taxes. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm going to write off. I'm going to write off the bagel I ate. No. I'm going to write off this beer. I'm going to write off. And like you think, well, Chris, how does that relate to your podcast business? Well, if I can't eat my bagel, I can't think. And if I can't drink this, no. I can't function. So it's no. all related to doing the job. No, but so. it, you know, it does remind me of this clip from one of my favorite shows, Shit's Creek, where <laughs> David, he's the one of the male characters in the show. Um, 
he's talking with his dad about his business and he's saying, well, it's a write-off. That's and, right. Yeah. And his dad's like, what's a write-off? And he's like talking about like face cream and things like that. And he's talking about all of these things that he bought. And he was like, well, it's a write-off and this is a write-off. And his dad says, well, who's going to write it off? And like, cause he's asking him, do you even know what a write-off is? And he was like, yes and then he's like well who's going to write it off for you and then david pauses and he was like the write-off people (laughs) (laughs) it's totally you right now it's like do you even know what you're saying when you say you're gonna write it off well i'm I'm seriously everything i buy well has to be obviously has to be podcasting related stuff so it means the microphones if i buy the new microphones this year if I buy a new podcasting computer, which I've been looking at for a while, and I hold out till the next one comes out, because that's usually what happens. If I get a new phone, we write that off too. Um, what else could I? I mean, possibly like anything that's tech related, I possibly could would write off programs, apps, anything like that. But that also begs the question of how are you going to keep yourself organized so you know what your expenses are, Mister? Fly by I, the I'm seat sure, of my pants. I'm sure there's a cocktail napkin I can write stuff on right here somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Janet, our accountant, is gonna go, she's gonna look at us this year and she's gonna be like, Chris, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what what are you sending? I'm what gonna are you like, I'm, in to I'm me? gonna like go to go to the office meeting and she says, What are all, all of your like um documents, uh documenting all your expenses for the year? <laughs> I'll dig into my pockets and like pull out some change <laughs> and receipt, a bag of, of some bubble gum. So yeah, I'll dump it on the counter and say, somewhere in that pile there, it's got <laughs> It's everything you need to know. We really have an amazing CPA that we work with. So she, uh, she's somebody that I went to when I moved down here. I my finances were a mess post divorce and trying to figure out how to get back on track and you know debts from the divorce and all of those types of things and splitting of assets. And so <clears throat> I did some digging to try and like looking through Yelp and finding highly rated CPAs that I met with. Um, Janet at the time she was a partner with somebody else and I started I met with her and she was just so impressive and helped me come up with a plan to just turn around my financial situation so I've been working with her uh, wrapping up eight years now and then uh, when you and I got together and we got married and had to file taxes for the first time you were like, well, let's just go to my guy and, you know, we just drop off all the papers and then he gets us the stuff. And I was like, no. <laughs> Everybody's got a guy no. or a girl in your case. No, I don't go to a tax. I told you, I don't go to a tax preparer. I go to a CPA. What's the difference, really? Well, a tax preparer is like the people that you can go to, like uh, TurboTax or whatever those places are. Um, h Block. Block. Yeah. And you walk in and they are legally allowed to prepare your taxes for you, but they don't know the intricacies of all of the tax laws. And they codes. should. They work for their everything. No, they know how to complete tax filings versus being legally compliant with all new so codes. It's like a lawyer versus a paralegal. Yeah. Well, no, even a paralegal would, it's like a legal secretary versus an attorney. Okay. Like okay. a legal secretary can like take in forms and stamp them, fill them out and do things like that. Um, a paralegal has a, a significant amount of training, but with CPA, they have to stay on top of all of the tax codes and laws and they can provide 
advisement to you on your business. And so uh, each year, we don't just wait until our taxes are due, but we set up a time where we have a consultation with our CPA and we go, we run, well, she and I, you don't always talk with her with me, but we run simulations on. I give you support, moral support. Yeah. We run simulations on like our cash flow and, you know, what are we going to look like at the end of the year? Are we going to have enough deductions and those kinds of things? And so uh, it's definitely great to work with a great CPA. But if you walk in there with your numbers written on a, a bubblegum wrapper or a cocktail <laughs> napkin, she's going to laugh you out of her office. Or, Janet, I promise we're not going to do that. Or I won't crayon, allow it. Maybe, you know, like, nope. like, like Sharpie in the back of my hand. Like I wrote this uh, receipt down in the back of my hand here mm-hmm. and uh, it's right here. But in all seriousness, as the CEO of Podtastic Audio, that does put additional responsibilities on you to run your business as a business. So what are things that you have in the works to help you set up your business for success? Well, first things first is that I have to get new business cards. And because the ones I do have, I I made them. They're great. I got them. Shout out to Vistaprint. Got them done there. It's very easy to do right on the website. And the problem was, is that I got clever thinking, I'll just put a QR code on the back. People click it. Sounds great, right? But it goes to a dead website. <laughs> so it's like, do we any good? And now, I, since I am now officially the CEO, I can probably put like a fancy business card with a CEO on there and all that great looking stuff. And um, I want to work on that. That's one big thing I want to do. Um, what's another thing I want to do? It's business related. Really, it's all about now I have to really get organized with, with money I've made and money I've spent and figure out like, well, thank goodness we use HoneyBook to book all this stuff. And HoneyBook does keep a track of all the money I've earned so far. But I have to really go in and look at all the expenses. Like we use clean feed to record. That's an expense. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I didn't buy this computer this year, but if I buy anything this year moving forward, that's for the podcast, I really should keep track of it and be aware of that expense and write down everything I possibly can. Um, I don't expect to do any major traveling this year. Uh, although I may go to clients' places in person and record for them personally, right? I probably should get gas receipts or something for that. I, that's another world, but I I can't imagine. I know every time you have to start a new business, the first couple of years, according to tax code, Jan was telling me this, is that um, you're allowed to um, take that as a loss. Only I think the first three years, and think after that. The government gets wise to you and they say, hey, this is just a hobby. It's not well, really not because, taking it seriously. But you only claim it as a loss if you actually have a loss. Like there's businesses that are profitable in those first couple of years. But they write off everything. So it becomes a loss. Like, you know. Yeah, that's exactly. So for Christine Smith Designs last year, we made a good amount of money. But then when you factor in building the studio and furnishing the studio and all of the marketing and everything like that. It definitely adds up. And don't forget supplies too. You get to right. buy those flowers. Those flowers don't grow in our backyard and, um, and all that kind of stuff. So and you physically got to pay for your gas, your car, your wear and tear. There's so many elements you got to think about that potentially you can write off that most you know people who don't have a business license like myself here, uh, they have to, you know, pay out of pocket and right. taxes and things of that sort. So I'm really hoping that from the tax angle, it really helps us, uh, helps our family out, uh, becomes very beneficial for us on the long run. And I think you did say that, that if we had one extra business to the family, 
that it would really help out our taxes? I don't know. I mean, I'm not a CPA, but I what I just wanted is for you to be legitimate. And as you're getting income from these different clients, you've been functioning kind of in, as an independent contractor, but to be able to have a legitimate business filing. And so when we we do complete taxes at the end of the year, um, that you're able to claim that as income. And it's very exciting for you. And it's very exciting that we now are, we both have our businesses that are, I mean, we've had them, but for you to be able to have the recognition, you did your fictitious business name filing for Potestic Audio. We did the promoting it in the local newspaper. So it's giving everybody notification that you're you know, starting a new business and then filed for your business license. And so it's only on the up and up from here, honey. So great yeah. job. Oh, thank you so much. You know, you know, the first thing I did is when we filed, the very first thing I did, I think was, is that I went onto my LinkedIn profile and I titled myself CEO, CEO, <laughs> CEO of Podcasting yeah. Audio. So maybe you should do like chief technical officer. I don't know, CTO, but uh, everybody, everybody gravitates to the word CEO. Yeah. It, it, just the way it is. You got to say CEO. I'm the CEO. I might get a shirt made, you know, since I'm the CEO. Maybe you know? that would be pretty cool. Well, that's exciting stuff that's been happening in your week. Um, I've had a few exciting things happen in Ooh, my week. I mean, nothing, nothing as big as yours, but um, the first thing is I was able to start. Um, it's kind of, kind of nerdy, but I, so I have an associate's account with Amazon, which means that we actually um, earn commissions for some of our favorite products that are purchased off of Amazon. And I was just trying to figure out where I could link up my favorite items because I don't have an Amazon storefront yet because based off of... They typically give storefronts to people based off of the number of followers that they have on social media. And so I am i don't have influencer or even micro-influencer status. I'm considered a nano-influencer. You're basing this on Instagram. Yeah, because that's the real numbers that they look at for influencer status. And so um, we actually did cross a milestone this week. So I officially have 2,000 followers on Instagram. What? Check that yeah, out. Yeah. And so I went from nano to micro-influencer this week, which I, is I exciting. I didn't even have levels like that. Yeah. Before anything... Like nano is like under 2000 and then micro influencer is like two to five or two to 75. And then influencer status is when you get up to 10,000. Is that for all platforms? Just Instagram. Just Instagram. I keep saying it's just Instagram. Well, I, I didn't know if, if those benchmarks kind of could relate to different platforms. That's all. No, I'm talking about Instagram specifically. And so influencer status off of Instagram is um, what most platforms look at when they're deciding whether or not to give you um, influencer or creator status. And so, so being in that level, um, I have an Amazon associates account, but I do not yet have an Amazon storefront, but I was able to, through TikTok, find out a way to be able to link up some of my favorite Amazon products into my Pinterest account and so I was having a lot of fun last weekend during the storm, being able to create these different lists of uh, different types of products that I think are helpful for couples, especially when they're looking for specific like wedding themes and things like that. 
and up and coming floral designers because I get asked a lot through DMs like when I'm doing videos of my florals like, oh, where did you get those floral snips? Or I really love that pop-up trash can. Where can I get it? And so now I have through my Pinterest, I have those items linked where people can go and shop directly with my Amazon Associates account, which is really awesome. Then the other thing is that I was selected as an ambassador for a company called Azazi. So Azazi is one of the top uh, places right now for people to, for women to purchase bridesmaids dresses. And so there's like a couple of big names out there right now. Of course, some people, if they want to go like a brick and mortar store, they go to David's Bridal, but David's Bridal isn't as popular anymore. It's but not. It's where, no, we, it's where we got our stuff at. Not anymore though. It's kind of like, I mean, they they have good stuff there, but people like to shop online and the David's Bridal online shopping experience has not historically been as easy to navigate, but there's a couple that are easy to navigate. And the first one is Azazi and then there's Birdie Gray and then there's Baltic Born. Well, I was contacted by Azazi and they asked me if I wanted to apply to be an ambassador with them. And so what that means is I, I get kickbacks now. And so I have like a discount code so that my clients can get 15% off of their bridesmaids dresses. And then I get a small commission of like a couple of dollars for each dress that's purchased using my discount code. And it's nothing major, but it's just like, it's fun to start getting some of these brand deals to be able to like start marketing. And then the other thing that I did get, I'd reached out. Well, first of all, huge news. And I didn't say this is I officially booked my plane tickets for me and my bestie Kira to be able to um, travel for our destination wedding in October to Europe, which is so exciting. That is incredible. Wow. Yeah. I mean, mean, it's official now. You've actually booked the plane tickets. Yeah. That's great. First class. That's amazing. No, I didn't say first class. Or did you use our private jet? No. Okay. Calm down, killer. (laughs) So we're starting our trip for a couple of days in London. And then we're going to fly over to Greece for the wedding itself. But the other cool news that might happen, crossing our fingers, is that one of my other best friends, Rowena, has to go back and visit her family in Germany. And we're going to try and time it perfectly to where she can end up in London at the same time as me and Kira. And then we'll have like a three-day girls trip to London. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. Yeah. Can you imagine ha- the three has of Kira, us? Has Kira and um, Rowena met each other? Um, Like one time, I think they okay. have. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited for that at the possibility that we might all get to be together And where we're staying is at a hotel that's just a couple of blocks away from the Wicked Theater in London. So we're going to go see Wicked. Okay. Now, is this where Wicked was originally created or is it just where they play it there? No, but it's like, so the West End Theater District in London is like Broadway in New York. And so they have famous um, Broadway shows that are there in residence. It's like the European experience. So if you're wanting to like go see a quote unquote Broadway show at its theater, like its permanent permanent place, then you go to the West End Theater District. And so we're going to be staying near there. Very excited. Um, we're staying with a hotel chain 
that um, I've stayed with previously and I recommend a lot of my clients to, this is not sponsored, but it's the Ryu um, RIU hotel brand. And I really like them. But the other exciting news... there. Wait, there's more. Yeah. The other exciting news is that um, because I did refer so many of my... Um, well, I referred my guests or my clients to this specific venue where they're getting married in Mykonos, I was able to negotiate a deal with them for discounted accommodations for me and Kira. And so this is like my... I put a whole proposal together and everything for them to like give me this specific rate that I was looking for and they went for it. And so what I'm getting is um, it's an upgraded room. So all of the guests, no matter what, get a sea view room because the resort overlooks um, it's called Elia beach in Mykonos and it's um, opposite of on the Island of Mykonos from Mykonos town, but it, it overlooks the sea. And um, the upgraded room that we got means that we have a private balcony with a jacuzzi right outside of our door. Holy crap. Just for the two of us. That's like those Instagram videos I uh-huh. see. With it. Is it the one where like you open up the, of the doors and it's like these doors open up and the the pool is like halfway in the in the room and halfway out the balcony? Not and- that serious. I mean, I was trying for that room because they oh, that, do. Oh, they have they that one? do have in. They have certain rooms that have infinity pools right outside That's what I'm of the door. About. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, we didn't get that. We are getting a jacuzzi room, um, where we're just going to be able. I mean, it's going to be a lot of work, but. At the end of the afternoon to be able to like hang out with my best friend, grab a glass of champagne, hop into the hot tub and just sip and relax and grease. It's great. Right? Yeah. So I negotiated a really good rate with them and I'm excited about that. And so um, it's just been a lot of fun stuff related to the business lately and like trying to grow the business and build brand partnerships and sponsorships and things like that. Um, because all of that stuff is just so fun. It is very fun. That's the fun part of it all. The hard part is paying for all the stuff and then, uh, you know, or going between clients and they're paying you and you're navigating this and that or trying to get new clients. Always fun. Yeah. You know, actually not that fun, but. Uh, yes, congrats. it is. Well, it's fun for me. I think it's, I kind of look at it almost like a game of like uh, trying to challenge myself to see you know, am I going to be able to book this? And, you know, how am I going to connect with them so that they understand that I'm really invested in their vision? And then, you know, a year later, you're in this spot where you're just on the countdown to like less than 50 days of going to Europe. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Now, major question. Are you taking one of my GoPros with you to do some video nope. video vlogging or anything? Like no, there? I'm going to take my great brand new phone and oh, yeah. um, we're purchasing some sounds so cheesy but disposable cameras because i i know I, you're giving me that weird look why be- because film photos are, are all the rage in the wedding industry and so i'm going to take some photos on film and then scan them in so that i can use them as part of no it's like high quality scan them in you look you're looking at me weird just trust that's gonna be like that no, look that just great. trust. It is going to look that great. It's going to look grainy and textured and filmy, you which can is do that. all the rage. You can do that with all kinds of filters and your phone can do nope, that. Nope, nope, nope. And not catch the movement like all right, a regular All one. right. So when Christine puts together her scrapbook, it's going to be on a fo- uh, photo scrapbook on photos only on real old-fashioned Kodak disposable cameras. 
have at it, babe. Make sure you do not, when you take a picture, don't do the mistake of putting your finger in the lens because I've done that many times on those cameras. But that's a that's a whole vibe. I mean, vibe. not putting not putting your finger on it, but like having something in the field of vision, like a flower or like a veil that you're looking through. You totally like last year's or you know 1980 mistakes on film have now become a trend. Like, well, you are a trendsetter. You know, am, you are an influencer. You are a micro mini miniature mini bun influencer. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I thought you would call me a Cinnabon influencer. Well, but... that too. That too. I think, I think I'm the Cinnabon influencer. I guess so. Hey, speaking of influencers, our little Mason is, uh, has his own YouTube channel. He's, he's on his way to 1000 subscribers. That's crazy. We have a little goal set for him and, uh, he's creating all these videos and, you know, our kids are so stinking talented. I know Mason's got his YouTube channel and Jacob's does all this really cool technology stuff. And Zeke and I were on the phone talking about he's setting up his first um, interview for his communications class and it's going to you know, record it in, in Zoom and edit it through some film reel something. But our kids are, are so Awesome. You know, I remember when they were super tiny little babies. You know, I remember when I first heard, uh, ha- held both the babies when they came out. You know, um, Jacob first. Um, I did not drop the kids, although I <laughs> almost did I think, once or twice. But um, they don't know that. But um, but no, I remember um, holding uh, Mason. I was the first to actually hold Mason as a newborn baby because he was a C-section. And, and they bring him out and they put him on the table and they clean him up and they, they wrap up, they give him right to me, you know, after they cut the cord where they do. And I'm looking at him like, Hey Mason, what's up, buddy? He, I don't think he was even looking at me. I think he was just kind of just sitting there like, <laughs> Chilling. Oh, what happened to me? <laughs> where, where am I? Why, why am I here? Well, speaking of babies and the shock that they experience coming to this side of the world, we have a baby expert that's going to be chatting with us. We had a great interview with her and she's going to be up next right after this. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing podcasting made easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is podcasting made easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. And welcome back, everybody. Today, I am super excited about the guest that we have. I think she has a lot of very relevant information for us. I am super hyped up. Let's welcome to the show, Donica Sanchez. Thank you guys for having me. I'm super hyped up to be here. Hey, Donica, how you doing? Wait, so where in the world uh, are you joining us from? I am joining you from, we'll call it Ventura, California. So uh, just north of Los Angeles on the coast. Nice. My grandparents uh, live in, live slash lived in that general vicinity in the Ojai area. So I think that's not super far from you. Ojai is just a little inland from where I am. Ojai is beautiful. And you know, when I grew up, I thought that Oxnard was like, almost like in Palm Springs area. It took until I moved to Southern California (laughs) to realize that, 
You're like on the beach. We are Oxnard. I still haven't discovered yet the origin of that name because it's just a bizarre name. But you said Oxnard. We, I, I was confusing with um, what's the place in England? The uh, school Oxford. Oxford. <laughs> Oxford. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that's pretty far. <laughs> Very far. Uh, yeah. No, we're right on the beach here. So I'm a, I'm a beach girl. I need my ocean water and nice and salty air. Yeah, Oxnard doesn't seem like a beach town kind of name. You would think it'd be like Newport Beach or right. or Ventura Beach, but Oxnard, Oceanside. Oceanside, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Maybe I it was know. famous for oxes, oxen. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, I'll, once I find out, I'll let you guys know. That sounds yeah, great. I'm super curious. Well, thank you for being a Southern California gal and joining us here on the show today. Mm-hmm. Have, have you lived in SoCal your whole life? Born and raised. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, me too. Uh, Christine's, uh, you know, mid-state. Would you call it? Uh, <laughs> mid-state. Middle-state, right? I'm a transplant from Central California. That's Central California. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're close. You're still yeah. a California girl. Absolutely. Fres, yeah. yes. Okay. That's where I'm no, from. No, we, we, we say Fres, no. <laughs> we we, we <laughs> emphasize the no quite a bit. <laughs> just don't. It's better if you just say Central California, I think. Like, just don't say Fresno. <gasps> And you're good. Ouch, ouch. Or, or you just say Cali is what you really say. I'm just yeah. from Cali. Well, so, you, know. I, I Cali. you know, the funny thing is I live in California my whole life. And I don't think I've ever referred to it as Cali. No, California people don't refer to it as Cali. They don't. Outside people do. That's yeah. right. They do. They do. You're from yeah. Cali, aren't you? I'm like, where? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, thank you for telling me that you're not from here. Exactly. Well, exactly. we are very excited to chat with you about who you are and about your background. Um, but before we get into talking about what it is that you, your business that you own and operate, uh, we'd love to know a little bit about you as a person. So you've lived in California. Uh, what is your professional training? Ooh, I, for the longest time, called myself a jack of all trades, master of none. I have done a little bit of everything. I've done marketing, I've done financial advising, I've done administrative assistant, to kind of doing whatever I could to to help with the finances of the household, but still stay home with the kids if I could. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't until my youngest was in high school that I sat down and said, okay, my turn. What do I really want to do? And nursing, I actually sat down and made a list of all the qualities I wanted in a job. Like I want to wear comfy clothes. I want to work with babies. I want to help people. I want a flexible schedule. And um, I don't want to go to school for 10 more years. So uh, nursing kind of fit all those things and went back to school when I was 40 and um, got my nursing degree and graduated in uh, when I was 45. Wow. Oh, that's, look at that. That's super interesting. <laughs> now, when I think of a job that would allow me to be in comfy clothes and <laughs> I would say relax a little bit, nursing's not the thing that comes top of mind. I've watched well, Grey's Anatomy. No, I've seen them. They wear pajamas all day. I've seen those. They're called scrubs. I mean, they are. The scrubs are coming. Now, relax, in in my defense, relax was not on my list. Okay. It probably should have been, but that <laughs> word was not. I didn't clarify. No, I really love critical thinking. I love problem solving. I love helping people. And nursing really hits all those. And, and really, scrubs are pretty comfy, so... Well, it is. Nursing is definitely a difficult job and requires a lot of your brain. So you said you you wanted to work with babies. Is that the area you decided to specialize in? 
It is. So I actually went to nursing school specifically to become a NICU nurse. Um, NICU is the neonatal intensive care unit. So that's basically the preemies, all the ones that are born earlier than they should be go to the NICU. And that's what they I put in that put, little special box, right? I've seen that box. They with put little, them in a special box. Now yeah, the box. Called an isolate. It's called isolate. <laughs> yeah. How does that box work? Does it keep it like a certain temperature, oxygen? How's that thing work? I was curious about that little box. Yes. So it's temperature regulation. And then um, we can also kind of control humidity a little bit. So the smaller and earlier the baby is, the less their skin is ready to work like our skin does. So the tiny tinies, the ones that are born at, let's say, 26 weeks or before that, need some humidity to help keep their skin intact. So those boxes can help um, with uh, temperature and humidity. Oxygen is separate and that needs to be done through little masks, you know, or little nasal cannulas and um, things like that. So in working with the neonatal intensive care unit, do you have to get a special type of nursing certification for that? Or is it just like all nurses graduate ready to go into that area? I will tell you that all nurses graduate ready to go into no area. <laughs> <laughs> like teaching. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. We we learn the basics of everything, but you really don't learn what you need to know until you get into the unit that you're going to be working. So there was not a special certification that was required, but there not all hospitals will allow new grads into their NICUs. Um, I found one that did. And so it learned, I learned through training with experienced nurses. I did some reading on my own. I tried to take some extracurricular courses to help me. Since then, I have taken, um, it's called the RNC. I should, I should have looked it up before I came on, registered nursing certification or something like that. And I got my specialty degree in the NICU. So okay. I've since nice. then acquired some extra stuff, but it's not required right off the bat. So my background, my mom is, she's now a family nurse practitioner, but she became Ooh. an RN when I, she went back to school when I was eight. So it sounds like kind of a similar nice. journey to mm-hmm. yours where she would, I was the youngest of my, my siblings. And so when she got hired, her first nursing job was as an ICU nurse and she had something oh, called wow. a preceptor. Mm-hmm. Is that like you were talking about? Is that like somebody that helps train you in what to yes. do in the unit? Yes, that's exactly what that is. So preceptor is an experienced nurse that has been on that unit for a long time. And they kind of mentor you basically or teach you what you need to learn. So they're so. kind of like the uh, senior lead person uh, of the crew. Kind of helps out the new people. Uh, they, it could be. Yeah, they could. They they are one more senior nurse, not in age, but in experience. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So in um, the equivalent, I think for people in education would be like when you graduate and you're a baby new teacher, you get a master teacher to do your student teaching with for a set mm-hmm. amount of time. Is it that same concept? It, it's similar to that. Yes. Similar to that. Yeah. It seems like that would be something super important to have, especially if you come into an area that seems so specialized, like working with teeny tiny babies, because I've seen, I mean, my, my sister was a NICU nurse and she would show us picture, not pictures, but like, um, tell us stories of babies that are, you know, barely like 25 weeks, Mm -hmm. 26 weeks. It's like they're, you know, 
a pound or two? Like, how do you even get a <laughs> vein to get an IV into teeny tiny babies like that? Yeah, it's it, it's pretty crazy. And unfortunately, there's no good way to train on that other than to just do it many times. Uh. So yeah, so this is where having a good preceptor comes in. Obviously, they can show you and talk you through doing it many times, but really you just kind of have to do it. Um, I do want to. I do want to throw something out there. There are NICUs out there that have formal training programs that they put their new grads through. That is not just a preceptorship, but is classroom time and all kinds of other things. Uh, but not all NICUs have that. So the one that I started in did not have that. Um, I, I wish I had gone through that. I think those are amazing, but not every hospital can, af- you know, afford them or or has them. So um, yeah, it's on the job training. It's on the job. IV starts and all the things. Yeah, all the things. So Donica, one of the things I've been very fascinated with over the last couple of years is, you know, there's a lot of reality TV and there's lots of shows and conversations about like for people going through lots of fertility treatments. And it seems to me, maybe it's just because I'm on social media a lot. It seems to me that there's a lot of babies being born way early. And I don't know if it's because of medical advancement where they're able to actually be born instead of, you know, losing a pregnancy. But what is the youngest baby that you've ever cared for in a NICU setting? I think that it is the medical advances in keeping newborns alive that has created more and more preemies. I I think that's really at the crux of it. Currently, the limit of viability, meaning the youngest age a baby can be born and still live is 23 weeks gestation. Wow. I know, isn't that now, crazy? Is that, that's with the help of our new modern technology, right? It That is with the help of modern technology. So born at 23 re- weeks, they are going to be you know, on breathing tubes and on IVs for quite a while. Um, there's a lot of long-term stuff that can still happen, a lot of long-term effects that will go well into childhood, even young adulthood sometimes. Um, But as far as being able to have a child be born and us have the medical capability to keep it alive and have it, you know, thrive, not just live, but thrive Mm -hmm. is 23 weeks. So that is the youngest I've ever, I've seen younger than that, but they are, they don't, they don't make it generally, you know, less than that. Oh yeah. 23 weeks. That is mind blowing. I think of when I'm on social media and I see these gender reveals and they're, you know, what is it like 12 or 14 weeks um, revealing the gender and then potentially having their child up to 10 weeks later. Like Mm -hmm. that's a very short window to think of if we were just Mm -hmm. barely able to confirm gender like Mm -hmm. two and a half months before. And now you have a baby due to, you know, whatever the circumstances are that is now outside of the womb. That seems very stressful for a parent. Uh, It's, I can't even imagine. I've, I've obviously seen it a lot. I have not experienced it myself, but it's, I mean, gut-wrenching and it's gut-wrenching and amazing all at the same time. And I think I can only say that from a nurse's perspective. But like you said, the baby still has to do all the growing it was going to do inside. It just now is going to do it outside. And and 
to me, the fact that that's even a possibility is pretty amazing that that baby can do that. From a parent's perspective, I mean, there's there goes the safety that you felt for your child while they were inside. They're not protected anymore. You have no control over anything. We've got some parents that struggle to bond with the baby and understandably so, you know, they don't want to get too close and then have something happen and the baby doesn't make it. So, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a roller coaster ride. And even if the baby does make it, like I said, there could be some long-term effects that you having to deal with. There are extra doctor's appointments you have to go to. Um, There could be some developmental delays. There's just so much that goes along with it. So it's, it's a lot. It's it's pretty incredible and uh, can be devastating all at the same time. So in your professional experience, what would you think would be kind of like, say, the catalyst that would cause a premature baby? Things that you've seen. Oh, this is the this is the kicker question. I mean, if there was just a short list of things, we'd be out there telling everyone you not know, to do, do this the- and don't do that. <laughs> right. Um, Uh, So some of the biggest things are going to be making sure that moms get prenatal care. So as soon as someone finds out they're pregnant, they should be uh, regularly in touch with and visiting their OB. There are, I mean, this is not a, you know, social systems podcast, but there's all kinds of patients that are unable to get the healthcare that they need. And so we have moms that come in, yeah, I'm nine months pregnant, but I never saw a doctor. Well, so there, yeah, so there were no prenatal testing done to see how mom's doing, how the baby's doing, to see if there's any issues we need to know of ahead of time. So that, and that can be hard too. If you go nine months, you think everything's cool and then the baby comes out and has to go to the NICU. That's hard also. So it's, it's really taking care of yourself when you're pregnant and making sure you're, you know, healthy. If you have any conditions that they're being addressed while you're pregnant that you're watching what you eat, watching what you drink, you know, not doing drugs. If you're having, you know, yeah, if you have drug that's issues good, that's before good advice, you, yeah. I mean, and here's the thing, sounds so dumb, right? But right. if you, if you struggle with drug issues before you're pregnant, it's it, just because you get pregnant doesn't mean you can just stop doing drugs. You know, um, you're still struggling with that as well. So, but now there's more of an impact because you're impacting two people. So um, prenatal yeah. care. I mean, if I had to pick one thing, I would say, prenatal care and making sure that everyone is is staying healthy during the pregnancy. Um, I'm going to throw out there that during COVID, we saw some wonky things. And uh, the unit I was in never had a baby born COVID positive, which I found very interesting. Wow. Um, was but that a thing? Did, were, they, were they being born COVID positive if the mother was I, COVID? That's what I'm saying is that I never saw it. Um, I had... Heard of other hospitals having one or two test positive here and there, but it really was a rarity, even if the mom was positive. But I feel like we had more babies coming in with respiratory issues during COVID than normal. So um, I can't draw a line for you at this point. So uh, I think there's still so much research that needs to be done on it. But, uh, you know, any just there's so many things we just don't know. I guess that's the the point of this part of the conversation is there's so much we don't know. So trying to prevent a preterm pregnancy is just not always cut and dry. So basically go to your doctor, you find out you you are pregnant and take all the steps and mm-hmm. list all the issues and don't mm-hmm. drink, smoke, or do drugs while you're pregnant, which is kind of common sense if you ask me. Don't ride roller coasters. Yeah. They got a sign posted on those roller coasters. If you're pregnant, <laughs> yeah. don't ride these. Okay, so I have, to tell, I have to tell you a funny story, Chris, because I don't even know if you know this, but 
So I, when I found out, so my son is uh, 18. He's actually starting college tomorrow, but. Oh, oh how are you doing? <laughs> okay, I'm okay. He's still living okay. at home, so we're good. Okay, but, okay, okay. Uh, but the day that, well, I found out that I was pregnant on a Monday, which is a holiday from work. And the next day I was an eighth grade teacher at the time and I had to chaperone the field trip for the kids to Mm -hmm. the water adventure park and with Mm -hmm. water slides and all of those kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. I had been super excited to go on the field trip, but then I found out that I was pregnant or at least I thought I was, which I was, you know, I'd confirmed Mm -hmm. it with four at home tests, pretty positive. (laughs) But then I was on the phone that morning with the doctor's office, like I'm at the water park. Am I supposed to not go? Because like, what if water hits me in the wrong place? Like, mm-hmm. could I end up like losing the chlorine the baby? or whatever? Right? And the, yeah, well, you know, I was a swimmer, so I knew the chlorine wouldn't hurt. But I was worried about like jolting and bumping if I'm on a water slide mm-hmm. or you know, mm-hmm. water getting up in the wrong area. Let's leave those right. details kind of right. vague. <laughs> But, you know, it's not always common sense, even for somebody that has, you know, an advanced college degree. I was sitting there on the phone with the doctor, like, am I allowed to go on a water slide? And they're like, no, you are not. (laughs) So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And that's, well, here's the thing. You have a college degree, but did you ever take a course in how to be pregnant? No. It doesn't exist, right? Yeah, All I'm these neither. life courses we wish, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, there's a whole list of life courses we should be taking that we're not. Right. So, uh, and that's why I think that prenatal care is so important. You need to have somebody you can call with those questions who who has a knowledgeable answer, who isn't going to be like, eh, it's fine, just go on the water side, you know. But how, um, how did we do it like so many years ago? Because we, this technology is fairly new within the last, I don't know, 50 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how did we do it 100 years ago? Well, so so what we did 100 years ago is we just did what we thought was right, right? We we did our best. And so on the, let's use the water park example. You're going to have a spectrum of people and some people are going to be like, I'm going on this water slide, I don't care what you say. Like, maybe, what if I didn't take the test till tomorrow? I would have been on the water slide anyway, you know? Right. Other people are just super conservative to begin with in life. And so they'd say like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh, no, I'm not going to do anything that will jostle me around. So before we just guessed, we guessed and we we did our best based on what we thought was right for ourselves and our bodies. Well, now we have experts. We have evidence-based um, research and evidence, evidence-based practice and more information, I think, to go off of. So that's the difference is we have more people we can consult and, and resources we can tap to get this information and be more knowledgeable about it. That's super fascinating. Well, with your expertise in the NICU, are you still now working in the NICU or have you moved on to bigger and better things? <laughs> I've moved on to different things. Let's say that. Um, I actually just, I went to a different unit in the hospital, the postpartum unit. So that's where mamas go after they have their babies. And just because I wanted to expand my knowledge and I have a good grasp on what happens to preemie babies, but let's go learn about the healthy babies, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of the transition between the two and, and, uh, it's been great. And that is really what has led me to the business that I formed is being with these moms and dads and getting them ready to go home. And nowadays, you know, if you have your baby, uh, vaginally, 
just regular, then you're in the hospital for about 24 hours. Mm -hmm. If you have a C-section, you get to stay for a whole extra day. So you're in the hospital for 48 hours. Well, the first half of your stay, you are, you haven't eaten for a long time. You've been in labor for who knows how long you're on meds, you are exhausted. And so pretty much anything I say, the first half of your stay, you're not going to remember it right. the next day. <laughs> so it was, it was getting parents ready to go home. And they're like, wait, wait, we're not ready to go home. You can't send us home. We, we don't know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, no, no, we talked about it. And they're like, we don't remember anything you said. Can you, can you just come home with us, please? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, actually, <laughs> maybe, but not in the form of being a hospital nurse. So. Right. That's where this business was born is, is realizing that, um, you know, and actually back to the information we have in some ways, there's too much information, right? I mean, Oh yeah. It's, uh, was it WebMD? <laughs> He's your friend, you know, Google everything. WebMD, Google MD, all the people on TikTok that are all of a sudden baby whispers and baby experts. And so you, you need someone you trust, whether it's your doctor, whether it's a neighbor, it's a parent, it's a nurse who can kind of help you sift through that information and really help you apply what you need to know for your family that's going to fit for you and, uh, you know, getting your, your parenting feet going and your confidence building. That sounds amazing. I would have loved to have that after I had my son 18 years ago uh, because, <laughs> you know, once you go home, you're like, well, what do I do with this little tiny human and how do I keep them alive? I know they mm -hmm. they eat, sleep and poop, but what mm -hmm. happens when I don't know why they're crying or, mm -hmm. you know, what if I have a colicky baby or have a baby that had an extended NICU stay? Um, yeah. what, what do I do now? And, you know, there's so many people that I see on, you know, like celebrities and social media that they have, they talk about like their night nannies or night nurses. So what's mm -hmm. the difference between what you do and this like quote unquote night nanny, night nurse mentality? So I, the first thing I want to address is the term night nurse. Um, it, Night nanny and night nurse essentially are the same thing for the most part. The terms are used interchangeably, and it really is for somebody who's coming into your home and basically takes care of the baby for you during the night so you can sleep. Now, what I do and what my employees do, we are certified registered nurses, all of us. So when you hear the term night nurse, don't assume that person is a registered nurse. It's just a term for it it came from wet nurse, which was uh, back in the day, back in oh, the like all the way back to Old Romeo England and Juliet, and like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where they would hire people to breastfeed the babies for them um, because breastfeeding oh, so, was kind of a okay. lowly. It was a lowly thing that you didn't want to do, especially if you were a, a queen. You didn't breastfeed; it's not what you did. So, so you hire someone to do it for you. Wow. Yep. You hire someone to do it for you. And those people were wet, who were called wet nurses. So hence, hence the I, name wet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think night nurse came from that as well. You'd hire someone to come in, take care of your baby overnight. Well, you know, when you were only breastfeeding, that person would also have to be a wet nurse. So, um, so now it kind of, the term never went away, but, but it's, but today there is registered nurses, which is different. So I just want to clarify between those two. So what we do is we're not nannies. We are not here to come in and just take care of your child for you. 
because number one, you're not learning anything that way. Mm-hmm. And number two, a lot of people can't afford that. They can't afford to have someone come live with them for you know months at a time. So our goal is to help make that transition easier. We want to help you learn to be a parent. We want to show you the better way to give your baby a bath or the better way to diaper or the more comfortable way to hold your baby so you still have another hand available to do stuff. Um, so by teaching, you know, it's one of those, right? Like you... Um, teach a man a fish, you can feed a village or whatever the saying is. Mm-hmm. We're like, I could, I could just do it for you, but that's not really helping you in the long run. And it's not help. We can't help as many people that way. Whereas if I show you some of the tips and tricks and theories and strategies to help you, then you will be more confident moving forward. And there should be less stress for you and the babies as well, which ultimately, honestly, at the base of everything I'm doing is like, let's decrease stress for everybody. Um, that's that's right. The less stress, the better. So right. um, what are some of the common mistakes that maybe a new mom would make who didn't really understand or know any of this stuff as far as like holding the baby or perhaps maybe bathing the baby? What are the mistakes they would make? So I think the biggest one is thinking that the baby should be happy now that they're in this big open space and they can stretch out. Okay. Your baby does not want to be in a big open space and your baby does not want to stretch out. <laughs> your baby You're free. is used- Go run, run. Go yeah. Run. And they're like, no, put me back in that warm, dark place where I was for nine months or six or however. Um, so what we need to do to help them transition, and, and we're strictly talking about newborns at this point, so kind of the first, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, is um, having them be contained. So swaddling them and making yeah. sure they're swaddled nice and tight. The wrap up. Yeah. I remember the, at the hospital, right. I had my kids, they would do this, like, they take this blanket and they do this cute little wrap, like a, we call the burrito wrap. <laughs> the burrito. Uh-huh. Yeah, the wrap yep. the baby up so tight, like a burrito, feet and all, yep. you know, little face was showing. That's all you tell was a little face and everything else was wrapped up, you know. I was like, yep. how do you guys get it? And they taught me how to wrap it up with uh, the blanket. And I could never quite get it just right like they do it, but I try my mm-hmm. best, you know. But uh, yeah, I remember that, wrapping the baby up. Yep. Wrapping the baby up because that helps them feel more safe and secure. They're going to be more calm that way. So some of the common mistakes when you're swaddling a baby. So they need to be tight around the shoulder part, but they don't need to be as tight around their feet. It's okay if the feet's a little looser, but the shoulders. But here's my biggest, uh, I'm not going to call it a pet peeve, but my biggest kind of educational hurrah right now. Everyone wants to swaddle the babies with their arms down by their side, like they're in a straight jacket. But I have had so many parents tell me that when they went to get their ultrasounds during their pregnancy, the baby always had their left hand in front of their face. Always, always, always. Well, let me tell you what. Your baby does not want their left hand down by their side when they come out. They want their left hand by their face because that's what they've been used to for nine months. So it's okay to swaddle a baby with their hand out. And there's a very specific way to do it. You still can wrap the arm in, but you leave the hand out so they have access to their fingers. It's called self-soothing. If they can touch their face and they can suck on their fingers, that soothes them. That's what they're used to doing in utero. Um, I've also heard stories of babies that were always holding the umbilical cord when they were inside. So guess what? When that baby comes out, they're going to want to hold something they because just yank, that's what comforts it. them. They yank on it because yeah. it's, it's the dinner bill. What it is. <laughs> the dinner bill. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello, Bob. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So if you're wrapping your baby with their arms down by their side like a straitjacket, they are not going to be happy. They're going to be stressed. They're going to be crying. They're going to be fidgety. They're not going to sleep very well. Um, so there's cues. You kind of got to, I mean, every baby's different, right? And 
And so there's some things we can do similar. We all can swaddle our babies, but, but each baby might need to be swaddled a little bit differently. So Donica, for you and your team, when you go in to work with a set of new parents, do you ask questions like that to help them with getting their baby to adjust or is it specifically focused on medical support? No, we are usually not focused on medical support because not... We'll need to if we have if your baby has a feeding tube or has wounds that need to be dressed and changed, then we can help you. Again, we will help you become more comfortable with that. But really, what we're trying to do is, yeah, we're going to ask a million questions. We're going to watch how you do things, and we're going to make suggestions. We're going to um, we like to actually talk to you before the baby comes, if possible, just to kind of see what you're wanting. Do you want to breastfeed? Maybe you don't even want to breastfeed. So then that's going to um, that's going to change the the plan, the plan of care for your baby. If you're not going to breastfeed, then you know what, daddy-o, your husband's going to get pulled in a little yeah, bit more. Uh, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know? All, too, all too well. Um, <laughs> I had to make the formula. I make those in your sleep for the most part. But it, speaking yeah, of the formula, yeah. is it is it better yeah. or worse for the breastfeed versus the formula? Is it the same? I don't know. I mean, what's better? What's better yeah. for the baby? Okay. I say we need to clarify. So, I mean, breast milk is best in terms of it contains antibodies that mom can pass on to the baby. It contains um, some of the immunizations that moms get. Some of that can be passed along to the baby. The babies and moms also have this amazing synergy where when the baby breastfeeds, the baby's saliva actually is sending signals to the mom's body to tell the body what the baby needs. So if the baby actually needs a little more fat right now, then the body's going to start to produce milk that's a little more fatty. What? Check that yeah. out. It's like, know, it's like, it's, right? like oh, it's like a drive through at McDonald's. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy, crazy. So, uh, so in that sense, I mean, breastfeeding is best in that sense. Now I want to be very careful here. There are some moms or parents that struggle with breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is not easy. I, you know, Christine, I don't know if you breastfed, but I did. Yes. It is hard. It is hard. And I tell all my mamas, listen, TV lied to you and TV makes it look so easy and it is not easy. So there are some moms that are so stressed out by breastfeeding or it is so painful that they are miserable and that's going to make parenting miserable and that's going to stress your baby out too. So every situation is different and we need to find what works best for each family. So you know, and maybe pumping and giving the breast milk is what works for you. Oh, Great. yeah. Then, then yeah. everyone can do, you know, we can get a little bit of both in there. But I don't want anyone to feel like a failure if they're using formula. Um, you know, it's 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 as good as we can get right now outside of breast milk. And we're everyone's just doing the best we can. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's such an important message. I know that when my son Ezekiel was born, um, I when because he was a C-section baby, Mm -hmm. And he was, they took him a few weeks early because he was so large that they were worried about mm -hmm. delivery complications. Mm -hmm. And there was, you know, some family history, like genetic history of really big babies on his dad's mm -hmm. side. And so it was okay. like, you know, I was definitely being watched ahead of time. So when he was born, because he was a few weeks early, he... It, there was something that hadn't fully developed that may have in those last few weeks in utero of his ability to nurse more effectively. Mm -hmm. yep. And I remember the lactation consultants coming in and having to make appointments to like 
pack him up and go over to the hospital, to the lactation center where they would weigh him before I nursed. Because I was so nervous, like, is my baby getting enough to eat? I don't know. I don't know if... And I would have loved to have somebody in the household to help me with things like that, to be able to determine like, okay, let's figure out, is baby getting enough? How Mm -hmm. can we get him to feed properly? Because I was producing enough. And then he just like, he couldn't use a traditional um, bottle because of his, um, that little sucking feature Mm -hmm. just wasn't, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it, but it was like, yep. His little the tongue wasn't, yeah, his little tongue wasn't working right. And so <laughs> I had to order these. I remember it was like we had to go on eBay because we didn't even have Amazon at the time. Oh. And oh. we had to special order these uh, Nook disposable mm-hmm. nipples that Orthotic. could go. Yes, that had to go onto a bottle. And I had to get them in packs of like 200 because you're not supposed to use them more than once at a time and it would take two weeks to get them. Mm -hmm. And I did not know, like it was so stressful and I had nobody Mm -hmm. at home to help me. And it's like when you're exclusively breastfeeding or pumping and feeding, it's nonstop and you're exhausted. It is is literally nonstop and, and people don't realize that. It's um, so what you're referring to, which is also, I think, a fascinating story is the suck, swallow, breathe is a series of things that babies have to do to be able to eat out of a bottle. Right. They have to Mm -hmm. suck the milk in. They have to swallow the milk, but they also have to keep breathing. So when the when babies are still in your tummy, they are swallowing amniotic fluid. Um, So they got the swallow down, but it's not till they come out that they suck it out of a bottle or from the breast. And remember to breathe at the same time. So Mm -hmm. the younger they are born, the less chance all three of those things have had a chance to coordinate. So it does sometimes take longer or does take some training of the tongue or it takes a special nipple or, um, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things. And lactation consultants are amazing. I have some on staff and there are so many tips and tricks that the, the normal person just has no idea of. Right. So, yeah, I remember we had these special um, bottles. They were by something called Flow or Even Flow or Pure Flow, something Flow. And they uh-huh, had this like weird, is it, it had like this weird tube thing in the middle of the bottle that kind of went down. The The formula would be in the bottle, but this tube went inside the bottle. It was like a straw, but it wasn't a straw. Uh-huh, and uh-huh, it was uh-huh. that, what does that thing do and, and how does it help the baby? <laughs> so it, that, the Dr. Brown's, a lot of the Dr. Brown's bottles have them now. That's kind of like the big, the big mm-hmm. uh, trendy one. It's supposed to help relieve the, um, so that they're not sucking in air while okay. they're also sucking on the bottle. So uh, yeah, right, yeah. There And there's also, so the angle you hold the bottle at when you're feeding the baby has something to do with how well they're going to do. The angle of the baby that you're holding when you feed them has something to do with it. So there's so many little things that we can tweak to help the baby be more, more efficient and productive with eating, to decrease the amount of gas that they either swallow, you know, air they swallow or gas they're producing, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that was that was more for for relieving air inhalation while they're eating. Drinking. Yeah, I remember I had to put those together, and 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 uh, for both our kids, I remember um, I had to uh, 
Yeah, I was the uh, the feeder, and yeah, I remember doing a lot, <laughs> making the formula, making the mixture right, and all that stuff. And yeah, maybe that. we should yeah. clarify to Donica. I don't know if you know this, so we're a blended family. So I brought in one child to our marriage, and Chris has two, so we have okay. three boys. So when okay. he talks about being the the feeder, <laughs> it was not with me. <laughs> no, but but I was I was um, doing majority of the work, changing diapers and uh, feeding, okay, and, and doing all that stuff. Too, all right, so. Superman. Oh, thank you. I, I, pre- I appreciate it. So, But you know, that brings up a really good question that I have, Donica, and I know it goes along the lines with what we're discussing is so much of social media talks about what women go through when a child is born, but there are so many situations where Dads are the primary caregiver for a number of different reasons, whether mom's sick or, um, you know, he's taking on that that provider or mm-hmm. being in a two-dad household or even mm-hmm. single dads that are wanting to start a family on their own. I know we talk a lot about single moms, but, mm-hmm. you know, surrogacy, um, two-dad situation. So yep. what does your care look like and support for fathers? Because I think that we don't talk about them enough in newborn care. I agree with you wholeheartedly. We We don't. And I think we're starting to, and there's practice and research that's coming out saying that there is such a thing as paternal instinct, not just maternal instinct. Mm -hmm. And we've also seen cases of um, postpartum depression happening in fathers as well. So dads are becoming much more involved and also much more connected in ways that no one really realized before. So it, in some sense, our care is the same in that the skills are the same. But we're not there just teaching skills. We are always keeping an eye on parents. How are they doing mentally? How are they doing emotionally? Um, how are they doing physically? Are you sleeping? <laughs> are you right. please get some sleep? You know, are you feeding yourself? So um, the thing that we're finding though with with dads, either single dads or or two dad households, is that sometimes either um, their moms don't live nearby, they don't have family nearby. Or they have moved to a new place and they just don't know a lot of people yet. They haven't created, you know, their village or their support system. So, or or sometimes they haven't even let people know that they're going through the process of surrogacy or of, of getting a baby, partially for their own protection in case it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. um, partially because maybe they're in a situation where they're afraid of what people are going to think of them. I It makes me sad to say that that's still a worry in today's mm-hmm. age, but but it is. So... Um, you know, we're always careful to take into account the feelings and the mentality of the situation and of all parties involved. So, um, like I said, though, paternal instinct it is a thing with my with my couples that have a, a traditional mother and father, a female and a male. I tell them both um, there's instinct both sides. But if you guys are ever arguing, I'm going to go with the maternal instinct just because she <laughs> physically had a connection with the baby for nine months. Yeah. But um, but no, we definitely should not be discounting uh, the role of of the males in the household, the dads in any way. Yeah, I think uh, I think some companies. I don't know if it's a law or not, but I know that what is the um, the time off? Oh, uh, like the paternity. Yeah, for mm-hmm. for males, are usually they're extending it. it. Didn't used to be it used to be kind of short lived. Now I think right. they're, they're granting us fathers a little longer time to be home yes. with a child to help out and nurture and that kind of stuff. 
Yes, there, there's paternity leave now. Not, I don't, mm, you caught me on whether or not it's federally mandated. I don't know that for sure. Um, but there are more and more companies that are offering longer amounts of time that dads can take off to be home or not even just, to, well, yeah, we'll just say dads. It doesn't matter what kind of a couple you're a part mm-hmm. of, but um, to let the the non delivery person mm-hmm. <laughs> have some yes. time off to be with the family, which is amazing. It's It's great to see. Yeah, I agree. I think that when I reflect back on my experience of having my son, so I had him C-section and then he got sick. He ended up uh, contracting RSV at a week and a half. And then it went undiagnosed until he was three and a half weeks. And so by the time Mm. he was hospitalized and, you know, in a not necessarily an isolate, but kind of a similar kind of a setup when he was so tiny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was rolling by myself because his dad's paternity leave was only two weeks at the time. And mm-hmm. then, you know, little man was hospitalized for two weeks. So by the time he's released, we're almost mm-hmm. at that six and a half, seven week mark. And I'm looking at being one week away from returning to work with this baby that has been you know, critical, right? literally. And I think of how different that experience would have been had paternity leave been something that was offered at a a longer amount of time. So we could have staggered it because that wasn't even, we couldn't even stagger it at the time. It was like, baby's born, you get your two weeks right now. You can't even save it up and use it for later. And that's so hard. It is so hard. And that and that is luckily something else that companies are, I think, starting to see that they need to offer a little flexibility with that. So I have had patients who the parents, uh, patients in the NICU who are going to be there for a couple months, let's say. So maybe one of the parents took off work when the baby was first born, took a couple days off. But once they realized baby was going to be in the NICU for a couple months, they went back to work and then saved up that paternity leave or maternity leave until closer to when the baby was getting ready to come home for that exact reason. Because once a baby comes home from the hospital, it's a whole new transition time. Yeah, right? it's, and just, it's where the fun really begins. <laughs> exactly. And as a parent, oh, we've had so many parents. They're used to the baby being in the NICU where there's nurses 24-7, where the babies are being monitored 24-7 to going home. And they're like, do I need to buy a monitor? And we're like, right. oh, no, you'll be fine. How do I know? How do I, how do I know? And they sit and stare at the baby all day, which isn't really healthy for anybody. Right. So... Uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of work to be done in this whole arena with making uh, life better for parents and and newborns. But you know, I got a huge bucket list going of of life goals, and right now we're on the one family at a time plan. But um, yeah, it'd be great if we could get some more maternity and paternity leave uh, rules in place for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Now I want to pick your brain, Donica, because Chris and I, as we were prepping for this interview, we were having conversations about things that we're curious about. As you can tell, we've been out of the baby <laughs> game for a while. We're not getting mm-hmm. back in the baby game. My mother-in-law <laughs> listens. So Sandy, no babies coming. Uh, Until grandbabies. grandbabies. Uh, yes. Someday. Very far down the line. <laughs> uh, very far down the line. Don't wish that on me. Uh, but one of the things that I, so Chris and I, we stay pretty in tune with popular culture 
And there's been some celebrities recently. I mean, there's been a number of them that have grown their family through gestational carriers or through surrogacy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's been a couple of big news stories recently. One is Chrissy Teigen, but the other Mm -hmm. that I'm really, that's been sticking out to me is um, Khloe Kardashian going public about her struggles with uh, bonding with her baby that was born via surrogacy, her baby boy versus the connection she had with her child that she biologically delivered herself. And so I was wondering if you can talk with us a little bit about for families that are growing through surrogacy, maybe some tips or even just moms and dads in general that may be struggling with that. I don't feel super connected to my baby yet. Is there something wrong with me question? What can they do to help normalize those feelings and then Mm -hmm. give themselves a little bit of grace? I love this question. And I love that she has done that because part of the answer to that is just making it more public and making it not taboo to talk about. Um, Because I'm sure that everyone who has ever felt that thought they were the only ones that felt that. And they are not. So right. the f- step one is not being afraid to talk about it. So one of the things I kind of referenced earlier, people talk about, you know, it takes a village to raise a baby, is you need to have people in your village that you can tell anything to. Because this is one of those things that you may not be comfortable sitting around with, you know, at lunch with a bunch of people saying, I don't feel like I'm bonding with my baby. But you can confide in someone close to you that can provide you some p- support with that. The second part of that is, I think, and and I I I'm not a I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, so I'm not a professional necessarily on this topic. But the more confident and comfortable you get with caring for a child, the more bonding you will be able to do with that child. If you are so stressed out, anxious, worried, and overwhelmed about making a mistake or something like that, then you're not going to get to enjoy the process and it's going to be harder to create that bond. I have a friend that I know who had twins. She's a teacher and she's a type personality, right? Wants to have everything in order, ready to go, plan ahead. Well, her twins came early before she got to finish the nursery, buy all the things, you know, and they ended up in the NICU for a little while. And I would say it took her almost a year to really seem very comfortable and enjoying them because she was so stressed about the fact that she didn't get to plan. It didn't go according to plan. Mm. So surrogacy is full of things that are out of your control, things that you can't plan for. So I I think it's really, number one, again, talking about it and not being afraid to admit that that's what's happening because realizing you're not the only one. The other the other um, social media person, I hope, I, I mean, I hope she is okay with me shouting out. Um, her handle, I think, is the birth trauma mama on okay. Instagram. Uh, just so uh, amazing. She's amazing. And what happened to her, and it wasn't a surrogacy issue. She had her, she was having her own baby, but she had what's called an amniotic fluid embolism, which is just an extremely rare thing, but it's where a piece of the amniotic fluid um, floats away and gets lodged in your heart. It can kill you. It generally kills you. It's so rare. And wow. she had one. And so just immediately, like they had to rush into the OR, do a C-section, pull the baby out. And she was instantaneously on life support. 
for wow. a wow. long period of time. How, yeah. how, how so, many weeks was the baby when the baby was pulled out? The baby was full term. So it was okay. a full term baby. Yeah. This was not even a, a new, uh, newborn or preemie thing. It was just, um, full term baby. And it's just, it's a fluke thing. It's again, it's super rare and almost always ends fatal for the mother. Wow. So, um, she's fine and she, she's okay, but she talks about her, her son now is four years old, but she talks about how every year on his birthday, that is a reminder of the trauma she went through. So while she's on one hand trying to celebrate the joy of having this child, she is reliving kind of a PTSD moment Mm -hmm. of the trauma that she went through at his birth every single year on his birthday. So she's, there's all kinds of reasons that someone can have trauma from a birth or from a surrogacy experience. And so as a nurse, I have learned so much from the birth trauma mama on how important it is to talk about it and to not dismiss it by saying, yeah, but you're fine now and your baby's fine. Why are you still reliving this? If you haven't gone through an actual trauma in your life, then you you just can't relate. And so I always let my parents talk about even if they had a normal birth, but they wanted to, you know, I don't know, they didn't want an epidural and they had an epidural and to them that was traumatic. Let's let them talk about it and let's acknowledge the fact that they felt traumatized and that the birth didn't go as they had planned and they are mourning they're mourning their ideal delivery. That's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to. So I think with surrogacy, you've got this whole extra layer of you weren't physically delivering the baby. So there wasn't that kind of automatic physical bond. And it's all a purely emotional bond. So trying to reduce the stress as much as you can and anxiety and worry and being involved as you can and this hands-on in a stress-free way, I think is one of the ways that you can help build a bond with a baby. Now, I'm also keeping an eye on this story and I can't wait to hear more and learn more as she reveals more mm-hmm. on you know, um, advice that she has for other people because it's surrogacy is gaining, uh, gaining ground. It's a lot more popular now than it used to be. So there's going to be a lot more issues and, and, you know, events surrounding it that we really haven't been aware of before too. Well, the thing that I did appreciate about the story when she did talk about it was that she, she being Khloe Kardashian talked Mm -hmm. about how she brought this up to her mom. And she said, you know, she felt like a, a horrible mother, even vocalizing that it was harder for her to connect with her son and Mm -hmm. her mom, Kris Jenner, who we know can be like the momager and she, you know, gets this (laughs) reputation for being like, you know, I don't want to say like um, a shark or anything, but kind of straightforward. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Chloe was relaying that her mom spoke up with compassion, like, hey, you've got to give yourself time um, mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it was a different set of circumstances and different doesn't mean bad. Different is okay. Right. Mm-hmm. You just got to give yourself time and lower your expectations and just let yourself just be his mom without having to be a mom in any certain kind of way. Because right. I think that society really does for both parents set these expectations that, the minute that your baby is born and handed over to you, whether that was, you know, your biological child physically delivered and you're holding them now or biologically yours 
and you're being handed them from a gestational carrier or surrogate, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's this Disney-esque kind of mentality around, I think, childbirth it, where it's now that your baby's here, yeah. it should be like the birds are chirping. It's like the Lion the King. Mice, right. the, yeah. the, being a Lion yes. King, you hold the baby up yes. and everyone celebrates and bows down and you, it's all good. And, yeah. and then you go on to your magical happily ever after. And for so many families, that's not the story. Right. Because it's a living, breathing human with real needs. Yes. And we are living, breathing human beings coming in with our own baggage and our own right. stuff the, to start out with. So, and that's, I think, another reason where our company is beneficial is that I, I and I'm so glad that Chris Jenner was, you know, sympathetic and empathetic towards her, but not all parents are going to be, you know. So, sometimes maybe it is better to talk to someone that is outside of your family. That's why I say, like, we never know what anyone's situation is, but we can come from a place of wanting to listen and be sympathetic and empathetic. We've dealt with so many parents in so many different situations that in a sense, we have kind of some more training and some more experience with that. And, and maybe it would be easier to talk to someone that you don't know, you know, in your, you know, immediate circle of friends or family mm-hmm. about these things. And, and hopefully it won't be so shameful because it shouldn't be, but, but absolutely society, society just loves to paint pictures of Disney movies. I mean, right. that's, we all want a Disney movie for a life, of course, but I mean, also <laughs> Disney movies also have a horrible component to them. All of them, right? right? The Lion King is, is only great at the end because Simba overcame his father dying. Right. So. Um, you know, I think when we all are, are reviewing our own stories and we kind of tend to focus on the awful stuff sometimes, or we focus on all the great and forget all the awful, but life is a balance of both. And so we listen, we're all out here just doing our best right, right? to to survive and have as happy a life as we can. I agree. And I think that there's just these taboo topics that like we've been saying haven't been talked about enough. And I'm so grateful that they're being talked about more because it helps to, I don't want to say normalize it because it's not like a, oh, well, expect this and it's going to be hard Mm -hmm. and rough and difficult, but it at least Mm -hmm. helps people know that, hey, this is out there. And if you're feeling something along these lines, you're Mm -hmm. not alone. There are resources. And I think that and a big one that I'm thinking of is postpartum depression. And it, it's so interesting that we're having this interview today because one of my friends that I finished my doctorate with posted that one of his classmates, they just lost one of his classmates this morning, oh. actually. Oh, no. And she, when I went in and I was reading the story, very prominent doctor, um, researcher, breast cancer researcher, Um, and it was a murder suicide of a mom and her baby this morning. Mm. And I was looking Mm. at the timeline and I was like, okay, so what are the facts? Yes. You see this very highly regarded female doctor, but Mm. you also see the fact that she had a like five, maybe six month old baby. Mm. And it was first thing in the morning. And I immediately went to, was she struggling with postpartum depression and it was missed? Like, is this something that even as a medical professional, and you know, this is 
not making light of anybody's struggles, but this is like very big news and it happens. You hear of Mm -hmm. mothers um, taking their lives or just becoming a shell of themselves. And as you were mentioning, dads struggling silently and Mm -hmm. it, it impacts marriages. And so I'm wondering as you're going into the household of parents, how do you as a professional assess and provide care or recommended supports for parents that may be going through the baby blues or something even more severe where it's actual full-blown postpartum depression? Mm-hmm. The The biggest way is, well, is by being observant, really. It's asking questions and not just hearing the answer, but really listening to the answer. So if I'm asking you, you know, are you sleeping? Are you eating? And they say, yes. Okay. How much sleep did you get last night? What did you have to eat yesterday? Mm -hmm. You know, if you got one hour of sleep and you had some crackers and peanut butter, that's not sufficient, right? I also, I'm a huge proponent of educating before you leave the hospital, which obviously, you know, I only have so much control over, but it's having the people around you taking notice of what's going on also. So I tell partners, if, if the baby's mom is the kind of person who loves to have her hair done every single day, and then you notice she's gone three days without doing her hair, that for you would be a big sign that something might be wrong. Whereas for me, I'm fine with my hair being in a bun for a week in a row. I don't care, you know. So well, that's you not look a sign. great, by the way. Thank well, thank you. <laughs> I put it in a special bun for you. Thank you. Um, but you know, it's it is. It's so different to everybody. So it's it's kind of a general conversation we have at the beginning. Is you know, when we come, we also are going to be keeping an eye on you guys. If we're asking questions about you, it's because we want to make sure you're doing okay. And you know, if there's anything we can help you with, please let us know. I also am trying to also spread the word about 988, the new national mental health line hotline number, right? So 911, you can call for medical emergencies. Everyone knows this. The new one is 988. You can call if you're having a mental health crisis. So I tell my moms or anyone who's feeling like they're having some postpartum depression, but if you are at home alone with your kiddos and you either are having thoughts of harming yourself or your kiddos, or you are just feeling so overwhelmed that you can't do anything, call 988. Just do it. And, and someone will help you in some way. So this is also something that I think more OBs need to be on top of. Um, I think some do a really great job and, and a lot of them are missing signs. So I also had a friend who told me after about a year that she had postpartum depression. Now, every time I saw her, I didn't get to see her as much as I wanted, but every time I saw her, she seemed good. She answered my questions, you know, appropriately. Um, but she told me later that she really struggled with it. And her doctor was a little dismissive, which just mm. crushes me. And she's like, I thought I was the only one and I thought something was wrong with me. But since she has spoken up more about it, talked to more people about it, that's how she was able to identify it. And she's like, and now I know for next time you right. know, what to look for. The problem is some of the signs of postpartum depression are things like fatigue, not sleeping well, which are also symptoms of having a newborn. <laughs> so stuff can sneak up on you. You know, you're like, am I tired because I have a newborn who isn't sleeping or am I tired because I'm getting postpartum depression? Right. So 
it really is important to, again, talk, find someone you trust, whether it's in your circle or outside your circle of people that you can really, truly be honest with about what's going on in your life so that they can help you reach out for help if necessary. That's super helpful. And you know, Donica, as you've been talking, I I feel that there's so many people that can benefit from your expertise, but it leads me and, and Chris to this very important question is about your services and the services of your company. Because yes, they sound amazing, but mm-hmm. most of the, our listeners, I mean, I'm not trying to make a generalization because there may be some out there. Most of them aren't millionaires and they don't have <laughs> their entourage of personal nannies and things like that. They're basically not the Kardashians you're saying. (laughs) Maybe not. You should have told me this before. You could have saved a whole hour. Just joking. This service sounds so amazing. And also our listeners could be like, well, this is so outside of my reach. And so questions that Chris and I had as we were looking through your website before is how does a typical middle-class, middle-income family afford something like this? And are there options for financial assistance? Like can health savings accounts help pay for this? So talk to us about how this works. Okay. So we, there's, there are a couple different ways we can do it, but typically it's, we charge an hourly fee is kind of the basis of it. What we like to do is after you get home from the hospital, you spend the first night by yourself with your family to create a little you know, bonding time. Then we can come in the next day for maybe just a couple of hours. We'll go, we'll see how things are going. We'll go over whatever needs to be done. If your baby needs a bath, let's do a bath together. You know, whatever questions you have, we'll go through it. Then we like to come back kind of no more than maybe two hours at a time for a couple of days in a row. The reason being, because then we can leave you to practice the things we just talked about see how things are going. The next day we can address any questions or issues that you have. As far as, okay, so currently it is not covered. This service is not covered by health insurance. There are some health insurance plans that offer something similar where someone can come check up on you at home, but they vary wildly. I don't, and I don't know the details of them because I I don't think there's a whole lot of them out there. It is on our list. Again, that bucket list I told you of life goals is to have this become a more common service that is covered by your insurance. So at this time, it is not covered by insurance, which means you will have to pay for it. Uh, health savings account is a great question. And that's really something that's going to vary from insurance company to insurance company on whether or not they will cover it. Um, but we're definitely willing to, to try that route if possible. For financial aid options... There's an organization called Men Having Babies that helps men have babies uh, via surrogacy. Mm -hmm. And we are one of the providers there that offers some free services to people who qualify. Uh, Also some discounted services. So if you are in that situation, go check out Men Having Babies. That's something that we could always work on. Uh, We're always happy to create a gift certificate. So this may be a fun thing for moms and dads to do when their kids start having kids. So a baby shower gift mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, you know, it can always it's be given as a gift. Because you don't think about the kind of stuff when you're going to get the stuff for the baby shower. Right. You think of the right. diapers, the clothing, the cute yep. little bonnets, things like that. But you don't think about the actual medical services and health services that are required right. to keep the infant alive. And new right. parents <laughs> new parents that are preparing and nesting 
don't always think about that, but for families that, you know, I mentioned before we got started, I'm a wedding planner and there are a lot of my couples who are very excited to start expanding their family. And it's like, they were able to save up and fund their beautiful wedding, but what Mm -hmm. does it actually take to prepare for expanding your family beyond a crib or a bassinet and bottles? If you're putting away you know, a little bit of money every week over that course of the 24 to 30 to 40 weeks that your child is in gestation, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. you could have a little nest egg to be able to set aside for services such as this to help preserve your sanity and help you feel a little better supported. Yeah. When wedding planner really is also the perfect analogy, right? People didn't used to use wedding planners that often, but then if your caterer doesn't show up, you are as the bride, you are the one on the phone trying to find food, you know, or if there's issues you're, you're having to, you know, try and fix it yourself. Whereas if you hire a wedding planner and yes, it's a little bit of an extra expense, But honestly, in the big picture of things, it is so worth every penny because you will get to enjoy your day and your guests will get to enjoy the day and not have to be running around putting out fires or, you know, doing those types of things. And it really is the same type of thing here. Um, Now, that being said, there are some organizations that are starting to offer financial aid. Sometimes it's in the form of loans, but it is specifically for these types of services. Um, the, there's one in L only if you're in the Los Angeles area, but it's the Jewish free loan association and you can qualify for an interest free loan for anything related to childcare, healthcare, having babies. And I've talked to them specifically about our services and they said, heck yeah, this definitely qualifies. Wow. So Yeah. And it's, like I said, amazing. It's only for Los Angeles area. There's an application process and the whole deal. But, um, but so there, I think are more and more resources starting to be offered to help out with these situations. So we're, we're going to have to, you know, keep our eye out for them. I'm going to, I'll try and, you know, I have a resources site, um, page on my website that will, will keep updated with stuff as we find out about it as well. That sounds amazing. So Donica, Where can our listeners find out more about you and your services? Because you said you serve the entire United States. So you're not limited to just the Southern California area. How can they access more about you, your resources and your services? So we are, uh, so I want to clarify that I am in California, but we can offer services anywhere in the United States. Um, we can, we like, we would prefer to do things in person because there really is no substitute for hands on help and having someone standing right next to you to show you like, Oh, move your thumb here and you'll feel more comfortable. Sometimes (laughs) it is little tweaks like that, that help, but we can also offer virtual services. So we can do, you know, via conference call or via zoom or something like that for somebody that maybe can't pay travel you know, can't pay travel fees or if there's some other situation, we can definitely do something like that. The best way to reach out to us is through our website, which is www. Do we even need to say the W's anymore? No, um, I think it's understood. Okay, I didn't think so either. Yeah, I figured there's no other option, right? Uh, baby steps, plural, nursing.com. So baby steps, nursing. Dot com. There is an inquire tab. You can uh, shoot us a little message with whatever questions you have. You can email us info, I-N-F-O, at 
babystepsnursing.com. Perfect. And we so appreciate you being here on the show today. And for all of our listeners, whatever stage of life that you're in, whether you're looking at growing your family, you've recently grown your family, you have members of your family growing their family. I think that there's really good nuggets in here for everyone. And for those of us that may be beyond that stage of life of having children, I think it helps us reflect on our own experiences and say, (laughs) gosh, we wish we'd be having babies now versus 15, 20 years ago. (laughs) But also you, I hope, have some more tools to be a member of someone else's village. Right. And you can be that ear that listens without judgment and that can be supportive, you know, regardless of of what the situation is. I think that's really important as well is, is to have more and more people like that out there so people are less afraid to be honest about what they're going through. Absolutely. Well, Donica, thank you so much for being on the show. We wish you all of the best of luck and uh, good luck to you holding and kissing and snuggling all those sweet little babies. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part. That's yeah. my favorite part. Thank you guys so much for having me. This has been really wonderful. I've enjoyed talking to thank you guys. Thank you. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. That was such a fascinating interview, especially as we were talking about parental bonding and postpartum depression. And um, yeah, it's just, it's super fascinating to me. I think it's great. I love, you know, the whole newborn, you know, it's so fun. You know, having a baby is almost like Christmas morning. You know, it's coming. You know what you're going to get. For a man. And, and you, and you, (laughs) yes, it's like the excitement of Christmas morning mixing with like the pain of like, uh, um, root canal and, but not for you, (laughs) you get only the fun. Like you get to wait until the the presents unwrapped or delivered and the selfies and all that wonderful stuff. You know, of course I was in there. Uh, I, I didn't have the GoPros back then when the kids are born, but if I did, let me tell you, I would be GoPro in that whole entire thing. (laughs) Uh, no, I took some phone video and some old video. I think um, when Jacob was born, I had a crappy old iPhone first edition, which took okay pictures or whatever, but didn't make any video really. They had like this old video. Um, it was like, it was called, it was like a video cam that was the size of a phone, but all shot was video. It had a memory card built into it, a memory, built in memory. Oh, I remember those. Was it like the one that looked kind of like long and skinny, almost like a Nokia phone? Right. It had like one button to record yeah. and like uh-huh. a few basic fe- uh, features. And I have it- one of them still up in my drawer upstairs and it has the the USB, like the little thumb drive looking thing that you click a button and it comes out so you can plug it into your computer. Correct. The Mundo. Yeah. yeah. So I had one of those and that's what I used to actually film, you know, Jacob when he was new more and all that stuff and everything. But um, you know, that's kind of where I got my taste of playing around with mm-hmm. video. Now, actually, funny thing I think about that video of Jacob I made when we first birth. I, I got really artsy fartsy when I created it and stuff too. And uh it was the first time I actually made any kind of video on a computer ever was huh. Jacob's birth, playing around with stuff and adding music for the first time and splicing um 
pictures with video and, and doing the transitioning and all my old earlier computers. So it's a little grainy. It's a little blocky. The video quality is, but, but that's kind of where I fell in love with making videos and stuff. And of course, having a baby too is always a fun part of that experience. But, uh, but now they're older, you know, it's so looking back on the fun stuff. I should look at that again. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up. I was watching an Instagram reel a little bit ago today and there's an influencer I follow and she just had her fifth baby, but she had this kind of time lapse of what their night looks like, what their nighttime routine is and the feeding schedule and the nursing schedule, like when she's having to pump, when the baby's not feeding and then diaper changes and things like this. And I was just looking at how little sleep new moms get. She had a partner that works a full-time job. And so she doesn't ask him to do a lot for the evenings. And so I know every couple is different, but you know, new moms, they, I don't know how they function. There's so little sleep and their bodies are still healing. It's so crazy. I I remember, uh, not that I was a new mom, but I do remember that I would take care of the babies, you know, up in the night, early mornings, lack of sleep, that kind of stuff and changing, feeding, changing, feeding. And at one point, you, it just becomes like but muscle their memory. mom was chipping in too. I mean, not, I didn't say she wasn't, but the, but I was. I know, but you did make it sound as if you were the one doing it all. Well, it, in my my perspective, it felt like I was, but I'm saying <laughs> you like, like roll Give your her eyes. Credit, yeah. Uh, See, that's what guys do after the fact. They're like, oh gosh, I was up so much changing diapers, and it's like you probably did 25% and she probably did 75% because, you know, we come with the equipment. Uh, and guys come with two hands and legs and be able to take care of the babies. And they fake puke when they have to change diapers. Oh, I took care of many diapers in my day. Yeah. Let me tell you, I took care of them, you know, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember when I was feeding the baby, Whichever baby it was, and you're super tired, you're just exhausted, you're literally just sitting there, passing out, and then you're holding the baby, you know, his head in the right position, position, and you're getting the bottle and keeping uh-huh. it up in the right position, and all that. There was a funny video I saw of a girl. It was like at a restaurant or something like that, and she's like feeding her baby. She's holding, but like putting the bottle in the baby's ear or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> And the baby's face, his eyes wide open. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And she's like talking to her friends. Like, da, 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 I don't know. Da, da, da. I, I, I guess you're that tired that you just, yep. don't, you, you just, it's muscle memory to where the point of like, you hold the baby this way, you feed the baby that way. But then you, you got to line up the bottle with the mouth. Right. It's kind of the way it works. Definitely. Well, you know, this has been a really interesting episode. I've definitely learned a lot and it's just made me realize that, you know, I need to check in on my friends with babies and toddlers a lot more. And it's funny because one of my closest friends reached out to me last night and she doesn't live that far away and her kids are a year old and I still haven't met them. And, you know, we text all the time and it's like, gosh, what am I doing? And so we made a time, uh, as I was thinking about releasing this episode, we made a time in the next couple of weeks where we're going to see each other and we're just going to figure it out. Um, and this friend of mine, she had twins and so they're super busy, but I'm going to make the time we're going to see each other and I'm going to check in on her more. And so for those of you that are listening, uh, make sure to check on your, your friends that are, whether they're, um, single parents or, you know, combined parent parents doing this with a partner, check in on your postpartum friends and make sure that them and baby are doing okay. And, you know, send them a gift card for DoorDash or, 
you know, just have a grocery delivery dropped off at their doorstep or something to be or, able to help them. Or even maybe be offer to watch the kids so they can have a nice relaxing nap. Yeah, that would be a great solution. So, you know, we'd love to hear your other tips on how you can support new parents or parents with a, another new baby in the home. Uh, drop them on our social media channels and or you email them to us and where can they find more information about how to contact us? Yeah, you can go to our master website, which is chrisandchristineshow.com and there's a link to it in the show notes of this episode. Absolutely. And so thank you so much for listening. We hope you got a lot out of this interview and we'll be back with you next, next week. week.